You're listening to Well Said, where customer success leaders share their best advice on a single topic in around five minutes. Today, we're speaking with Teresa Anania, VP of Global Customer Success and Renewals at Zendesk. So Teresa, you have 170,000 plus customers. You've set a strategy for the scale of your tech touch programs at Autodesk and Zendesk. When did you decide to build the scale and tech touch models and how did you structure them? Yeah, I think most SaaS companies are, you know, in the same position of thinking about where do we want to use our human capital in the absolute best way. So even, you know, without 170,000 and growing customers at Zendesk, I think scale matters to most companies. So I think one of the key things that you start with in these programs would be to think about your segmentation and the structure that I found works best is really thinking about where would digital engagement help. And that doesn't necessarily mean limited to a small customer base or a customer that is spending a small amount with your company. I think digital and tech touch can benefit all customers. And then where do you want to put that human capital? And that's where through segmentation and maybe the lens of both spend and potential spend, we then have what many call a tech touch program where there's a pooled um, customer base that we then have our humans engaging with only when that digital engagement is not working. Can you tell us about examples of when a human would jump in to a tech touch or a, a low touch program that isn't working? Sure. So some of the ways we do that would be just looking at key insights about the customer, even at time of purchase, like what are the kinds of goals and um, outcomes is that customer expecting to achieve? And certainly for the volume and the scaled operation, we take that often as a proxy from many of our larger customers that look just like them, what might those goals be? And when you bake that into the way you're going to engage, Let's say you're starting at day 10, making sure that customer is achieving fast time to value. Most of our customers expect to be up and ready within a 30 to 45 day window. Well, we can tell from some of the self-serve content that we've sent out and helping them you know, install, deploy, get started. If they're not engaging with that content and they're a certain spend level customer, we're going to want to engage. We're going to want to have a human do an outreach because they're not engaging with our in-product or even email self-serve. Another example might be if they are engaging with that content or either way, let's say they're not implemented by day 45 with at least 50% or greater provisioned agents as well as starting to use. That too is another example where the digital engagement, even if they're engaging with it, it's not driving the right outcome, which would be fast time to value and getting set up for more than, let's say, 75% of their entitled users. That would be some examples. Yeah, I love it. The low touch model is often structured very differently from high touch in the sense that the roles and responsibilities of that team are different. So can you talk a little bit about team structure and the types of people that you have on the team? I think we've evolved our thinking from just standard ratios and coverage levels. So if you think of the pyramid of your customer base and high touch being that one to five, one to seven, medium touch being more like one to 20, 
And then often it's traditional where that pooled approach or the scaled success program might be one to a few hundred. We're starting to think instead a little bit more about dynamic segmentation and not just looking at those coverage ratios in the same way so that my scaled customer success managers actually would be showing up at their desktop, determining which customers in their very broad portfolio look most in need of human engagement. So this is using workflow automation technology, also critical data and insights that help determine who looks to either be at risk and requiring that human engagement, like the example I gave, or which of our customers look like there is a higher potential to spend with Zendesk. So some of the expansion opportunities and they're super healthy looking and therefore maybe ready for a conversation around expansion. So the rules are very different. These folks are not given an assigned territory, but rather almost like a purview into a very broad portfolio about where their human engagement would be most effective. And then we measure outcomes from that engagement. It sounds like there's a separate group or team that's responsible for delivering these analytics and insights. What do you call that team? And what's the right background or experience set for that person? Yeah, I have kind of a, a point of view on this that might be a little different. I know centralizing ops has been, you know, a thing. And I do believe we leverage our centralized ops team heavily to ensure that, of course, you know, the data coming in through the single source of truth is actionable and and very much aligned with the requirements that we have in designing out this customer journey. But I also believe embedding a few ops people inside of my practice has been essential. So they're very immersed in not only the, actually I pulled them from customer facing jobs where they did this work, And then how we bring that to a level of one-to-many has been, I think, invaluable. So they're responsible for the playbooks, the data and insights that are used to trigger those engagements, some of the measurement. And again, a lot of it is leveraging that broader centralized team, but having those folks immersed in my practice, I think has been a game changer. Well said, Teresa. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear fresh ideas from some of the top leaders in customer success. So wherever you're listening right now, just go click the subscribe button and make sure you don't miss the next episode.